The last few years that I was living in California, I belonged to a group of ministers who met twice a month to do Bible study as we prepared for upcoming sermons. When this passage from Luke about prayer came up in the lectionary the last time, one of my colleagues who serves as a hospice chaplain told us about a woman that he had worked with a few months before. He said that as they talked about her faith and her prayer life, she had told him that she didn't feel like God was listening to her prayers. She said it wasn't that she was expecting a cure. She'd accepted her illness, and she would had accepted that she would soon die. Her sadness was that no matter how hard she prayed, she just didn't feel connected to God. The woman had spoken of her sister, who is a deeply spiritual person and was always assuring her that God cared, that God was listening, that God was with her. But the truth is, she said, I just haven't done the work my sister has. She's always gone to church. She's always prayed, whether God answered her prayers or not. Since we were kids, she's prayed. She's cultivated a relationship with God, and I haven't. And now that I'm trying to start again, God feels like a stranger to me. This woman's story about her prayer life is telling. Prayer is a practice. And like anything that requires practice, the more we practice, the longer we practice, the better the results. It's not that her sister's long practice of prayer got her more of what she prayed for. That's not what she got out of prayer. What her sister got out of prayer was what she herself was now longing for, a relationship with God, a deeper knowing of God, a deeper trusting of God, whether she got what she'd asked for in prayer or not. We often think of prayer as a way to get what we want from God. And most of us practice it most often when we're afraid and when we're faced with suffering or injustice. But telling God that we want our loved one's cancer to be cured or that we want God to help us to learn to forgive the person who betrayed us, this is only one part of prayer. God wants to hear what we need, what we desire, but the other side of prayer is wanting to learn what God desires, which we often discover to be far more wonderful than what we've asked. Someone told me a fable once about a little boy who gets his hand caught in a priceless vase. The parents do all they can to get the boy's hand out of the vase without breaking it. They rub oil, they put butter, they just work it and work it and work it. They call the doctor, they ask everyone they can think of for their advice, but no one is able to get this little boy's hand out of the vase. Finally, having seen no other way, they smash the vase, only to find that the boy's hand was stuck because his fist was grasped around a penny that he wouldn't let go of. Using our prayer life to let God know what we need and what we want is good. Being honest and communicating our wishes and our hopes. Psychologists will tell you this is fundamental 
to healthy development of all relationships. But in any human relationship, which is our part of our relationship with God, we have to be open to our needs and wants being changed by the needs and the wants of the one we love. We have to take care not to keep a death grip on our little pennies when God may want us to open our hands so we can receive something far richer than what we thought we couldn't live without. In our passage today, Jesus teaches us to pray. He begins, Father. Some people are offended that we're taught to pray to God as a father. And to the extent that we limit God to a gender, to being male, they might be right to be offended. Pray to God our mother, if you must. There are biblical images of God as mother, too. Don't let that be a barrier to your prayer. The maleness of the father image isn't the point of the teaching. The point is that the God who sets the planets in their courses, the great God of all creation, infinite, eternal, all-knowing, all-seeing, wants to be known chiefly as a loving parent by you and me, little specks of dust that we are. And he wants to know us like the best parents want to know their children. He is tenderly interested in us. He longs for us to be close by, to watch us grow and learn, to help us become all that we can be. It's amazing how often in conversations with parishioners over the years, I've had people tell me that they're afraid to talk honestly with God. They're afraid to tell God how disappointed they are, how angry they are, or how afraid, or how they still hope for a miracle. If we're afraid of God, we're probably making too much of that transcendent side of God, the great, eternal, everlasting, and not enough of the imminent side of God, the side we saw in Jesus, the side of God who is our loving parent. If you've seen the movie The Apostle, you might remember it's about this. It's played, Jesse is played by uh, Robert Duvall. He's a charismatic pastor who's on the run for murder, which he did commit. <laughs> and he's seen in his mother's house shouting at God that his life has kind of come to this point. Jesus, Jesse, I'm sorry, is furious at God, and he's letting God and the entire neighborhood know all about it. The mother receives a phone call from an angry neighbor who's upset about all the ruckus, and she replies, sometimes he prays, sometimes he just yells. Our prayers should always be that honest, because honesty breeds trust, and trust is a prerequisite for intimacy. And you don't have to take it just for me. Honesty in prayer is biblical. Just read the Psalms all the way through. Or Christ's words from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God wants our honesty in prayer and does not see it as disobedience or to feel anger. 
for us to feel anger or fear or to wish with all our heart for something we feel we need. My son tells me all the time, with great tears and anguish, how much he needs this or that Star Wars paraphernalia. (laughs) I don't see him as disobedient or unfaithful to me for wanting those things. I just see him as immature. He doesn't know how Star Wars is nice, but it's not everything. He doesn't know its true worth in relationship to other things, and it's my job to lovingly teach him. If honesty is important to prayer, the other side of the coin is persistence. If we don't read our scripture this morning very carefully, we might make the mistake of thinking that we just need to bug God more to get what we want. (laughs) If we just keep knocking loud and long enough, God will get fed up and give us what we desire. It seems that way when he says, pray like this, go to your neighbor and knock and knock and he'll get sick of you and give you what you need. He's not talking actually about God. That is inconsequential. He's talking about the action of the person who goes to knock. That's the part we have to pay attention to. In the Gospel of Luke, persistence in prayer is not just asking and searching and knocking, though. Consistency in prayer includes the receiving part, the being found by God, the opened door. No longer can we only hear prayer as the means to an end. Prayer has to fill the space between the spoken word of our prayers and the final receiving, between asking and receiving, between thy kingdom come and resolving ourselves to let thy will be done. And it's in that space that persistence in prayer really pays off by building for us a relationship with God in which our will, as Stanley Hauerwas says, slowly bends towards God's will. Our wisdom is slowly shaped by God's wisdom, and we come bit by bit to see the truer value of what we want in relationship to other things, in relationship to what God may have to give us instead. If you are willing to live in that place of prayer that's based on honesty and persistence, then I promise you your relationship with God will mature. You will become more intimate with God, better friends with God. Your relationship will begin to be grounded in trust. So today... Our scripture is not so much a lesson on how to pray or how prayer works, but rather an invitation to keep at it. Each one of us is invited daily into a deepening of our relationship with God. Now, our sermon has been a bit serious, so I want to leave you with an image that's not so serious. One of my favorite images of the relationship that we can build with God through prayer is one that's given by the Islamic poet Hafiz. I think it's a great image to leave you with, especially when we get too caught up and too worried about how to pray the right way and anxious about whether we're we're saying the right thing or not. 
He says, God and I have become like two giant fat people living in a tiny boat. We keep bumping into each other and laughing. So relax. Just talk to God. And you will grow and grow and grow and be fat (laughs) someday (laughs) in the spirit that he wishes to give you and laugh. Amen. Amen.